Bambi by Felix Sultan Chapter 11 The winter went on. Sometimes it came milder, but then the snow would come again, and each time it did, it lay higher on the ground so that it was impossible to scrape it away. Whereas of all was when it became warm enough for it to fall, and the snow had melted into water, would freeze when the night came. And then there would be a thin layer of ice, which you could sleazily slip on. It often, it would also often break, so that the sharp splinters would cut the deer's tender fetlocks, cut them bloody. But now there was a hard frost, which had lasted for days. The air was clean and thin, just as it never had been before. And the frost was at full strength. It began to trickle with sound that was fine and high. It was so cold that the air sang. Everything was quiet in the forest, but something shockingly happened every day. One day the crows attacked the hare's little son, already lying down ill, and killed him in a gruesome way. His cries of pain were long and pitiful, were could be heard by all. Bambi's friend, the hare, was away at the time, but when he heard the sad news he could not contain himself. Another tiny squirrel was running around with a serious wound on his neck from where the polecat had bitten him. By some miracle, the squirrel had been able to get away from him. He could would not could not speak because of the pain, but he ran between all the twigs and branches. Everyone could see it. He ran like a madman. By the time, the time he would stop, sit down, raise his forepaws, confusion, take hold of his head and his shock and his suffering. As he did so, blood gushed over his white breast, turned it red. He ran around like this for an hour, then suddenly he suddenly collapsed, fell hard against the branches of the tree, fell dying into the snow. Peg magpies immediately came down on him, again they're feasting. There was also a time when the fox attacked the pheasant and tore him to bits, even though everybody liked and respected the pheasant for his beauty and his strength. His death was a cause of concern far wide. Everyone was so sorry for his inconsolable widow. Fox had snatched the pheasant out of the snow. He settled in, and where he thought he was well hidden, no one could feel safe anymore. As all these things happened in broad daylight, it was seen that perjury they were suffering would never come to an end. It spread bitterness and ruthlessness all around. It made all its spirits worthless. It undermined the conscience, destroyed all trust and all good manners. There was no mercy anymore, no peace, no holding back. Is it possible even to think it might ever get better? Mother made mother's side, out there their side too. It's, it's impossible to think it ever was any better. Don't be silly, said Marina, looking straight ahead. I think you know how lovely it used to be all the time. Listen, Mrs. Etler, this Netler said to Miss Edna, your little ones is shivering, isn't he? And complaining to Gobo, does he always shiver like that? Sad to say, answered Aunt Lena, sometimes somewhat worried. He's been shivering like that for several days now. Well then, said Mrs. Netler, no way she had said she had of savings. I mean, glad I haven't got any children anymore. He was almost my little one. I read about whether he gets through the winter. Gary D did not look well. He is weak. He'd always have been less strong than Bambi or Fairlane. Not grown as fast as those two. And now he looked worse from day to day. He could not 
keep his foot down. Well, what little there was of it now. He was in continual pain. So with the cold and difficulties of life, he lost all that, what, that strength he had. He shivered all the time and could barely hold himself upright. Everyone looked at him with concern. Zetler went to him and gave him a friendly push into the fade. Now don't you, you be sad, she told him sternly. That's not right for a young prince. It's bad for your health. She moved away from him because she did not want anyone to see how concerned she was. Bono was sitting in the snow to one side. Mary jumped up. I don't know what it is, he mumbled and looked around. Everyone paid attention. What? What is it? They all asked. I don't really know, Bono repeated. I'm worried. All of a sudden I'm worried. I was as if I was something wrong. Connors tested the air. I can't smell anything odd, declared. They all stood there listening and testing the air. Nothing. I can't smell anything, they all said. One after the other, but still when I assisted. You may can say what you like, but there's something wrong. The crows have been calling, said Marina. They're calling again, now, said Fellaini quickly. But by now the others had heard them too. Look, as they're flying, Crellerus pointed out to the others. Everyone looked up. Above the tops of the trees, crows were flying away in swarms. They came inwards from the uttermost edge of the woods. From wherever it was, the danger was approaching. They spoke anxiously to each other. Up there, it was clear that it was a sexual disturbance of some sort. There, there wasn't, wasn't I right, said Ronald. You can see that there's something going on. What are you on about? Oh, what, what are we what to do? whispered Bambi's mother uneasily. Get away from here now, insisted Arthur in alarm. Wait, come on, no, no. Wait, all the children here? Arthur contradicted him. And Gobo won't be able to run. All right, then, Ronald conceded. You get away from here with the children, your children. I don't blame you and put in a point. Of course, don't have to put. Have you really blaming me? You blaming me for it later? You serious and decisive. Go, Fellain, come this way. Not that far, too fast. Go slowly. Stay behind me. I then admonished, admonished them. She and her children slipped away. A time went by. They stood still, listening and smelling the air. And all we needed, Mrs. Nettler began. We've got to put up with all this and now. This is all we need. He's very cross. Bramby looked at her and felt that she was thinking of something dreadful. Now the magpies are also coming out of the same part of the thicket as the crows are come three or four at a time. Look, look out, look out, they cried. They could, still could not be seen, but their royal warnings could be heard. One after the other, look out, look out. They even came closer, continued to flap their wings, shocked and disturbed. Hark, the jays cried, lapping, yelled in alarm. Suddenly, in all the same time, all the deer gathered together is seared through them as if they had been hit by something. Now they stood still and breathed heavily. It was him. The frenzy smelling air with lights never before. There was now nothing left to examine. The smell entered their noses, befogged their senses, made their hearts freeze. Agpies were still playing about. The jays above them were yapping. And now they were agitated movement. Everywhere, the tits switched between the branches, hundreds of little feathery balls, um, and they chirped, away, away. The blackbirds rushed back and lightning fast above the trees and drawn, drawn out screams of chirping. As they flew, the deer looked down, the white snow filled the wet work of bare twigs, 
bushes and saw a confused rush of small shadowy figures as they ran to and fro near the pheasants. Further away there was a shimmer of red. It was actually the fox. No one was afraid of him. Now the continuous broad waves of that dreadful smell wafted to them, breathing alarm in their minds, uniting them all in one crazy fear. There was the one feverish desire to flee to save themselves. The mysterious overpowering scent permeated the wood with such power you could tell that he was not alone this time. The seed had so come with all his friends. Things were uh, most extreme. They didn't move. They watched the tits as they hurried away with frantic flowering, flapping of their wings. The blackbirds, the, the squirrels rushed away, leaping from one treetop to another. They thought these little ones had no good reason to be afraid. They felt nevertheless understood. Why they fled when many heard and he smelt. He, when he could be smelt, no creature in the forest could bear to have him anywhere near. Now our friend the hare hopped away hesitantly, sat still, hopped further. How does he look? How does he look? Horace called him impatiently. Our friend the hare looked around, madness in his eyes, could not speak straight away. He was very disturbed. What's the point of asking, asked Rollo grimly. A friend, the hare, grasped a breath. We're surrounded, he said in a monotone. There's no way out on his side. He's everywhere. But just then he heard his voice twenty times, thirty times. He called out, hoo-ha, hoo-ha. He rang out and shook more than thunder and lightning. He shook, struck the trees, trunks of trees which trumpeted the sound out. It brought them horror. It threw them out down, distant rustling and crackling undergrowth. The branches pushed apart. The sound forced itself over to them. The screams, the bangs, the twigs as they broke. He was coming. He was coming right there in the thicket. Now behind them, they could hear short whistles and thrills. Thrills. Already those for the pheasant. They're standing up as he heard his steps. He heard the flapping of the pheasant's wings, fading as he rose high in the air, a flash and a clap of thunder, quiet, and a muffled sound of something hitting the ground. The pheasant's falling, fallen, fear, the pheasant has fallen, said Mother, Benny's mother with a shudder. The first, said Rollo, and Marina, the young girl, spoke. There are many of us who are going to die very soon. I might be one of them. No one listened to her. Now the great terror was among them. Bambi tried to think. The raging noise which he was raising higher and higher tore all his thoughts apart. Bambi could hear nothing but his noise, a noise that made him numb. Among all this howling, bellowing, banging, he could hear the thump of his own heart. All he felt was curiosity and was completely unaware. All his limbs were shaking. Now and then his mother came close to his ear and said, Stay with me, she said, but all in an uproar. It seemed to Bambi that she was whispering, This... Stay with me, offered him more support. He held him fast as if he were held in place of a chain. Otherwise he could have run away in a second fault, without a second fault. He always heard of it again, just when he would have lost self-control, fled. He looked around, there was a crowd of only different people running, ran in a blind panic between each other. A pair of weasels ran past, slender lines like a snake. Which nearly, nearly, nearly impossible to follow with the eye. A polecat listened spellbind, but all this information he could get from a stuttering, confused air. The fox stood there among the disordered rush of the pheasants, and paid no attention to him.
They paid no attention to him, ran past him versus his nose. He paid no attention to them. Without being excited, coming excited, his head stretched forward, his ears pointed up high, his nose working hard. He strains himself to hear. Through the tremblet of it, of it come, became closer. Anything moving was his tail. It looked as if he was straining to think. A pheasant hurried past, out from behind, out of the most serious danger. He was in panic. Don't go up there, he shouted to the other birds. Don't go up there, just run. Don't let them get you. Don't go, go up there, just run, run, run. He kept on repeating the same thing, as if he tried to warn himself. But no, he, but he no longer knew what he was saying. Clamber, ho, ho, ha, ha, seemed to come from somewhere quite close. Don't let them get you, called a pheasant. At the same time, his voice suddenly became a whistle-like throbbing. A sound rattled. He spread his wings as proof upwards. Barry watched him as he went, flapping his wings loudly, flying up direct, directly and steeply between the trees, his splendid body glittering with metallic dark brown, blue, gold-brown sheen as majestic as a precious gem. His long tail feathers swept proudly behind him, like a train of brown. The cut close thunderclap. Rung out sharp, and pheasant in the sky clapped suddenly into himself, twisting himself round as if he was trying to snap his feet with his beak, and hurled him heavily to the ground. He fell in the middle of the others and moved no more. Now no one was able to stay calm. They all rushed around, away with each other. Five, six pheasants rose in the air with noisy cluttering. Don't go up there! Shouted others as they ran. The thundercut came again five times, six times. Some those who had flown up in the air were back to the ground lifeless. No, come with me, said Ernie's mother. Bambi looked up. Rono and Chorus had already gone. Miss Nedla had also disappeared. Ernie was still there with them. Bambi went with his mother. Bambi disturbed demurely followed them. All around them was a heaval, loud cracks bellowing and thunderclaps. Bambi's mean, mother stayed calm. Mother stayed calm, she was trembling, but just slightly. She kept her thoughts as set together. Bambi, my child, she said, always stay behind me. We've got to get out of here. Always across the clearing. But here in the story, we need to go slowly. A burning became more hurried. The thunderclaps came ten, twelve times, thrown out the hands of him. Stop that, said mother and his mother. Don't run. Once you have gone out past the clearing, they'll run as fast as you can. Bambi, my child, don't forget. You shouldn't pay me any attention once we've reached the outside. You I fall. Pay me no attention. Just keep going. Keep going. Do you understand, Bambi? Your mother became, made deliberate steps through the booming noise. The pheasants ran in all directions, pressed themselves in the snow, jumped out again. Started to run once more, the whole pony, the hare jumped here and there, sat down, ran again, no one spoke a word, all exhausted in their fear, crippled by the bellowing and by the thunderclaps. Ahead of Bambi's mother was getting lighter. Through the, the cage work, the bushes shone the clearing, behind them getting closer and closer, with startling bangs that rattled on the tree trunks, the crackling twigs as they broke, the yells of ha ha, ho ho. Then their friend the hare, with two young brushed past close behind them, beside them, into the clearing. Bang, ping, bam, the thunder crashed, thunder, Bambi saw the hare, did a somersault as he ran, and fell with his pale belly facing upwards, and then just lay there. They twitched a few minutes times, and he was still, Bambi stood there.
as if made of stone. But from behind him he heard shouts of, They're there! Everyone, just get out! Widespread rustling wings as they hurriedly unfurled, whistling, sobbing, swoosh of foliage, flapping, the pheasants rose up, lifted themselves up against all the, at the same time like the straw of a sheaf. The air burst with many thunderclaps. A muffled impact of the fallen could be heard as they hit the ground. The fine whistling of survivors rang out as they flew away. Bambi stopped and looked out back. There he was. He was coming out from an undergrowth. Here and there and then and there again. He was appearing everywhere, striking everywhere, damaging the bushes, drumming on the tree trunks, shouting terrifying cries. Now, said his mother, straight ahead. Don't go too close behind me. With one leap, she was out of the woods, so the snow merely threw up through flakes. Barry hurried after her. They were attacked by sound of thunder from every side. It was as if the earth had been ripped in half. Bambi saw nothing. He ran. He urged to get away from this torrent. had been accumulating. A wave and a stream and a storm that whipped everything up. The gathering urgency to flee. A wish to, the wish to save yourself. All those who were now, all those were now unleashed. He ran as it seemed to him. He saw his mother fall. But he did not. No whether she did really did had done. He felt his veil around his eyes, been thrown over him, the fear of thunderclaps, booming all around him, which had broken out, unable to think, unable to see, he ran. The claim was down behind him. A few thicket took him in. From behind him came another shout, another sharp thunderclap. And in the twigs above there was a very brief rattling, like a spray of hailstones. They became quieter. Bambi ran. The pheasant with a twisted neck lay dying on the snow, twitching his wings weakly. As he heard Bambi approach, he stopped his sympathetic moments, movements and whispered, It's finished. Bambi paid him no attention. He continued running. He found himself in a tangle of undergrowth and forced him to slow his pace and look for a path. He kicked around himself a peach, around, around himself repeatedly. Over here, called a voice in the vocal called some of the vocal voice. Bambi had no choice but to follow it. Immediately he found himself in a place where he could walk. But in front of him, somebody struggling to get to her feet. It was Hare's wife. It was her who had called. Do you think you could give me a little help? She said. Bambi looked at her and was shot. Her rear legs damaged lifeless through the snow with a red and beginning to melt from the snow from the warm blood that dropped from her. She said once and again, do you think you could help me? Little help, could give me a little help. He spoke as if we were perfectly all right. Relax and all was gay. I know what's happened to me, she continued. It's certainly not anything important. But at the moment, I can't walk. As she spoke, she sprang, sunk down into one side. She was dead. Bambi once again was horrified. He ran away. Bambi! He stopped abruptly. There was, this, that was one of his own people. He heard again. Bambi, is it you? As Goldberg struck helplessly in the snow, he had no strength at all. He could not even go to his feet. He lay there as if he had been buried, merely raised his head weakly. Bambi went over to him in some agitation. Where's your mother, Gobo? He asked across. Where's Fanline? Bambi spoke quickly, agitated and patient. His anxiety, his heart continued to beat hard. Beat hard. Mother and Fanline had to go, answered Gobo in a desire of bear. He spoke gently, but as earnest, as wise as a grown-up. They might, they had to leave me lying here. I had it. 
I've got to go too, Bambi. Get up, Bam- Bambi yelled. Gobo, get up. You've been resting long enough. There isn't any more time for that. Get up. Come with me. No, just leave, Bambi. Answered Gobo quietly. I can't stand up. It's impossible. I wish I could have come with you. You know what that? But I'm, also, I'm just too weak. What's going to happen to you then? What's going to happen to you then? Bambi insisted. I don't know. I expect I die, said Gobo simply. The shouting started again. The sound came over to them. Between the shouts, new thunderclaps, Bambi was alarmed. The rapid bangs and cracks of undergrowth rumbling spread across the snow. In among the uproar, young Kampras came grumbling over to them. Run, he called. We saw Bambi there. Don't just stand there. Everyone who's Still can run, run. You ran, went past him in an instantly fell headlong flight, yanked Bambi along. If him, Bambi was hardly aware whether he, whether he had started running again or not. It was only a while later that he said, Farewell, Gobo. But by that time, he was really too far away. Gobo could no longer hear him. He ran through the woods, penetrated by the noise of thunderclaps that seemed to be seeking him out. He ran around until it was evening. The darkness went down, it became quiet. As soon as light blowing, blowing, helping to blow away the horrible storm, raging far and wide, a terror remained. The first person Bambi saw, whom he knew was Rono, his limp was worse than ever. Over here! Oh, where the wolf oaks are, Rono said. A fox is here, lying or wounded. I just came past him. He's terrible, terrible the way he's suffering. He's biting at the snow and, and the earth. Have you seen my mother? Bambi asked. No, answered Ronald Charlie. He went quickly, went, he quickly went away. Later night, Bambi came across Mrs. Nettler with Feline. All three were very glad to see each other. Have you seen my mother? Bambi asked. No, Feline. I don't know where your mother is. No, said Mrs. Nettler cheerfully. That's for fine mess of me. I'm glad when I didn't have to put up with children anymore. And now suddenly you've got two of them. i got to look after. Thanks a lot, Bambi Fairlane laughed. They started talking about Gobo. Fairlane told them about how, how he had found him. It made him so sad they began to cry. Is that they wouldn't allow them to cry? You've got to do, got to see what most important thing now is find something to eat. Is, um, is it um, heard of? We haven't had a bite all day. He let the two of them. She led her to them to the place where there was still some greenery hanging low, still quite, not quite dried out. Miss Nettler was susceptibly well informed. She could not touch, she would not touch anything herself, but urged Bambi and Fairlane to take a good meal. At places where she knew there was grass, she pushed the snow aside and ordered them. Here, here is a good place. Oh, she would say, wait, we soon find something rather than this. E, but between giving his advice, she would grumble. This is so stupid, children are so much trouble. Suddenly they saw Aunt Edna coming and they ran up to her. Aunt Edna! Bambi exclaimed. The first I've seen Mr. Fernand Fern- Fern- was beside herself. We joined, jumped up to her. Mother! Bambi was crying. She was dead tired. We lost Gumbo, she lamented. I've been trained. I've been looking for him. I've been 
Two in his sleeping place. And Leonis know where he was collapsed. It was empty. He's gone, my poor little gobo. Gobo, Miss Nettler grumbled. Do you better to try to find out which way he went? And why did it be possible be more sensible than crying? There are no tri- tracks to show which way he went, said Aunt Edna. But he was lots of tricks. He was there where Gobo was sleeping. They were all, they were all silent. And Bambi asked Timmy, Aunt Edna, have you seen my mother? No, replied Aunt Edna quietly. Bambi was to never see his mother again.